Welcome to the Peace Catalyst podcast, where we share stories to inspire, uplift, and encourage you in your peacemaking journey. I'm Becca Tyvel, and I am working with Peace Catalyst International here in the Washington, D.C. area. And this week, I'm actually not joined by my co-host, Keith Giles, because we decided to actually interview Keith and his amazing wife, Wendy, um, about their own journey with Peace Catalyst in this series that we're doing with with PCI staff um, and getting to know them across the country and the globe. So each week, we've been sharing a peace quote of the week. And this week, I came across this quote by Jeremy Courtney, who is the founder of Preemptive Love Coalition and also the author of a book called Love Anyway, which is also an incredible um, film that I highly recommend you watch if you get a chance to. And this quote is a note um, by Jeremy Courtney for his book, Love Anyway. It says, there is something that matters more than what we're running from, and that's what we're running toward. I believe there is a more beautiful world on the other side of war, on the other side of violence, on the other side of all that's tearing us apart. I've seen glimpses of it in some of the most war-torn places on earth, and it's waiting for you across the battle lines of your own community. And I love this quote because I think it really brings home the context of war and peace and understanding that there are so many different conflicts around the world that we can kind of think are maybe removed from us in our own communities, our own lives. But in reality, it's the same sort of um, violence or division can be working in different ways across the world and in different contexts. So maybe there's not armed violence in your community, but maybe there's social divisions across political lines or um, religious lines or social social divisions that exist because of, of inequity. So there are so many different battle lines, as Jeremy Courtney phrases it, within our own communities. And so how can we cross those battle lines in order to foster peace? And I think that's just... A beautiful picture, and I love how he he emphasizes that he can see the beauty of what's on the other side of of war, of conflict, of violence. Um, that there's something greater on the other side, and that um, we can trust in in the process of peacemaking that it does lead to something more beautiful. So, like I mentioned, we're in our series um, interviewing PCI staff, and this week I'm talking with Keith and Wendy Giles. They have um, worked to share the love of Jesus with people living in motels in Southern California for over 15 years. And after serving as a licensed and ordained minister for over 20 years, um, Keith left full-time pastoral ministry to start a house church that gave away 100% of their offering to help the poor in their community. After 11 years, Keith and Wendy moved to El Paso, Texas, where they're bringing together Christians and Muslims from around their community um, to come together around a shared love for Jesus. So I'm excited to interview them. Welcome, Keith and Wendy. Um, so great to have you both here. And Keith, it's awesome to be sitting across from you instead of, you know, co-hosting. This is a special yeah. episode. <laughs> 
Yeah, this is kind of odd. It's, it's weird to be interviewed by your co-host, but uh, I'm excited just because I get to sit here with Wendy and I want, I'm excited for people to get to know her a little bit better. I mention her all, all the time and um, uh, she has so much wisdom. I've learned so much from her. So very excited for everybody else to get a chance to get to know Wendy. Well, I'm glad to be here too. <laughs> and I'm not the one who's usually talking. So uh, yeah, this will be interesting. <laughs> Yeah, it's so great to see both of you and, and hear both of you. Um, yeah, so do you want to just tell us a little bit about your background, you know, before Peace Catalyst and how did you get connected to Peace Catalyst and, um, yeah, some of some of your own uh, peacemaking journey? Okay, well, um, I guess I, I can, I don't know how far back you want to go, but if we go back to house church, maybe that's, that's an a, okay place that's to probably start. Good place, yeah. So um, when we decided that we were going to start a house church, it opened us up to meeting a lot of different people. And the funny thing was the Lord brought lots and lots of ESL teachers Mm -hmm. um, to our house church. And a lot of them uh, taught Muslims. And so the Muslims in, in their schools were looking for a community and they actually loved Jesus. So they they actually were willing to come to our house church and just become a part of the, the group and discuss Jesus and have meals together. That was a huge part of house church. You're always eating together. Um, so, so we ended up just having wonderful conversations with them, becoming friends with them, really starting to feel like family with them because it wasn't like a place where they felt like they had to become something different. Yeah. They could just be themselves. Mm -hmm. And so we had some really beautiful relationships, Mm -hmm. um, with people, you know, during that time when we were in California, um, we didn't really, I don't know if I'm go, go, go now or, or <laughs> when we went to um, Idaho, we were very blessed to meet Nick and Laura. Yeah. And they actually were a part of Peace Catalyst and they invited us to their Peace Feast. Mm-hmm. And uh, we actually got to see too, though, the ways that they were able to help their community with having um, um, like a storage shed filled with appliances and furniture and things like that, that the families needed when they came over and had nothing. Yeah. Refugees. Um, refugees. Yeah. 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 You know, just all kinds of ways that we could come together in a community and share stories and um, find out all the common ground we had with like our kids mm-hmm. and being parents and just, you know, so, so that was something that was like, uh, the next step for mm-hmm. for us um, was our time in Boise. So yeah, uh, yeah, and I, absolutely. I think um, like going back to the thing about uh, our experience in house church, like that whole thing about hosting Muslim students. Um, you know, some of them were going to UCI, some of them were going to like it was a Fullerton, uh, Fullerton, um, Concordia, some some of the local schools there. Um, and universities there in Orange County. And um, so, again, it was, we didn't plan this at all. It was really something, it was kind of a beautiful surprise. So all we really did in the beginning was, you know, our house church, we on purpose created uh, a space where, you know, everyone was welcome 
um, regardless of their theology or doctrine or denomination or background or anything like that. We didn't focus on theology. We didn't focus on any of those things. Mm-hmm. Our, so we had a, we had a, um, our house church was one of the beautiful things about it was it had a, it was a very, uh, had a very radical sense of inclusion mm-hmm. uh, and welcome, wow. right? A whole lot of welcome and hospitality for anybody, cool. Christian or otherwise. And so I think, you know, because of that, first of all, it made it possible for these people that just found us, they, you know, these uh, our friend Scott, our friend Julie, who were each teaching at these different universities and were teaching English as a second language, and they just happened to have students from Saudi Arabia and Jordan wow. and um, you know uh, Iraq and Syria and places like mm-hmm. that, who were Muslim, and um, you know, and so it started off like they, uh, they as their as the teachers, had really uh, good connections and relationships with those students enough that those students said. Hey, where do you go to church? We we'd like to go to church with you, wow. and then uh, and then when and then when they said, well, it's not a normal church, <laughs> you know, it's kind of people sitting in a house eating meals and talking. <laughs> they were like, oh, that sounds awesome, right? Which of course it's funny because that's that's a very Middle Eastern thing, right? Community and hospitality and sharing meals with people is very uh, you know a very Middle Eastern kind of Muslim culture yeah. uh, thing, anyway. So you know, so so all those things had to line up, mm-hmm. right? And so then kind of, you know, like, I just remember like the first Sunday, I think Scott, um, our friend Scott just said, Hey, I'm bringing some students with me. And Oh, Hey, by the way, they're, they're Muslim. And, uh, we were like, Oh, okay. Not sure how that's going to work. <laughs> but like, but like Wendy was saying, you know, we also had a, had a value of, you know, we weren't there to convert people, right? right? We made sure that everybody knew we're just here to love these people, get to know them, make them feel loved and welcome. Mm-hmm. Find out about them. You know, what's your name? What country you're from? What you miss the most about your country? What you like most about being here? Um, you know, what are you studying? You know, it was it was really just very normal conversations. And then, of course, but we just had our regular service. You know, so we would we would sit in silence. We would pray to Jesus. We would read scripture. We would talk about our connection with God, and they were free to do the same. You know, they were free to share as well, and. It was really awesome. I mean, I, I some of my favorite gatherings that we had were, you know, when when the Muslim students would come and visit us, and uh, and then our other other friend Julie, she also was teaching ASL, and she she would bring some as well, and it was wonderful. Um, yeah, and uh, it was so it was so cool <laughs> to be sitting in her apartment, you know, with her little tea and your cookies and whatever. And everybody's got their 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 Bible open in their lap to the Gospel of Mark. We all had different translations. Some of us even had like a children's Bible. Some <laughs> people had King James, NAV, NAS, whatever, uh, NIV, NAS, and things like that. And so um, people would just, we just said, you know, again, like Wendy said, it wasn't a Bible study. It wasn't like, well, let me tell you what this means. Right. I mean, none of that. No commentary at all. Right. It was just, okay, you start reading and read until you get tired. And then the next person will pick it up and they'll read until they want to stop. And then the next person will read. And we just went around and took about an hour to read through the Gospel of Mark together. And then when we were finished, we just kind of said, wow, you know, what was your favorite part? And what did you like? And, and what was the part that was confusing? And we just talked. It was just a conversation, right? But it was so beautiful. And the, here's the other thing that I thought was really cool, too. Um, like one of the most significant uh, conversations I remember having with a Muslim student. So there was a, a young man named, I think his name was Muhammad, right? And um, after he came to visit, um, he, he stayed over. Um, it was, that must have been when we were meeting for breakfast. And when, when everyone dismissed, 
um, Muhammad and Julie stayed over and we had lunch with another, an older couple, another Christian couple, uh, Aiden Franny. We actually went to their house and we had lunch with them. And oh my goodness, that was such a wonderful lunch conversation because Muhammad, he kept asking us questions about what we knew of Jesus. So Aid and I took turns sort of like telling the story, oh, Jesus, you know, in the Christian gospel, Jesus is like this and Jesus is that. And and we just kind of went back and forth, very conversational. And, uh, and when we were done, Muhammad pulls out a Quran and he reads to us the passages in the Quran um, that talk about Jesus. And oh my goodness, it was beautiful. It was so, so beautiful. And again, it wasn't like who's right, who's wrong. Uh, we weren't correcting one another. It was really just a beautiful time to listen and learn from one another and and genuinely, you know, each each of us, all of us were surprised by what the other had to say. Like, oh, wow, I didn't know that. Really? Oh, that's interesting. Um, it was just beautiful. And so that was our first um, kind of, I guess, encounter with like, wow, Muslims are really awesome. Um, <laughs> they love Jesus just like we do. And uh, I know, again, we don't we have we don't agree on everything, of course, but it's noticing that when you focus on the thing you have in common and the thing you have in common is Jesus, it really is a, a, the beginning of a beautiful conversation and relationship. So that was, I, I know that's gotta be the, that was sort of the Genesis for us that kind of planted the seeds down the road. Um, that when we encountered Nick and Laura and we found out about this thing called peace catalyst that we kind of said, Hey, this sounds like a lot of fun. Maybe we should do this. Oh, that's incredible. It's, it's such a beautiful story and it's so organic. I love how it just kind of happened and, you know, God brought you all together. And I love that idea of, you know, Muslims coming to your house church and just being welcome and not feeling this pressure to like change or be something else yeah. in order to, to engage and be in community. So that's really beautiful. Yeah. And that's one thing I think we love too, is that, um, hearing from them, you know, they would, a lot of them would say afterwards, like, wow, I really felt loved or I really felt welcome. Um, you know, that was beautiful. I, I love that. That's what they felt. <laughs> they didn't feel nervous or judged or, um, on the spot or, you know, uh, anything like that. Like that their, their, their experience, what they shared with us was like, Hey, wow, this was really great. Um, I felt really loved. I felt the love of God. And, uh, you know, like, can I come back? Like, well, absolutely. So it was just really, really a wonderful experience. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I love that kind of exchange, too, of, you know, your Muslim friends pulling out the Quran and sharing from their mm -hmm. perspective. Um, okay, so that was kind of the genesis. And now you're based in El Paso. And you kind of came on board with Peace Catalyst in the middle of the pandemic, right? Yeah, yeah. So what has what has that been like for you? Well, um, this is where we play the sound effect of cricket. Um, because, um, I mean, we did a little, we've done a little bit, and then there's still a bit of a promise of, of things in the future. Mm -hmm. So, um, I mean, I guess initially what happened, and this happened right as I was joining Peace Catalyst, um, I, I did look around and I found that there was a pretty good Muslim community in El Paso. Um, I discovered that there was a, a group, uh, an organization here called the uh, Turkish Raindrop House. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I got to know uh, this gentleman, Bilal, who is Muslim. 
and uh, he and I met together. We had lunch together. He was super gracious. He gave me this really cool book about uh, uh, Jesus and Islam or something like that, and uh, which was really eye-opening. That was really cool. And um, so, you know, I started, started a relationship with him, found out about Turkish Raindrop. And the beautiful thing was what Turkish Raindrop House here in El Paso was doing was pretty much everything that Peace Catalyst is doing from sort of the Christian side. And uh, so everything, everything I was telling him, you know, Peace Catalyst is about, we get together, we, you know, we want to get Muslims and Christians together, not to argue about who's right or wrong, but to establish friendships and connections and collaborate together and work for, you know, things in the community um, and, and uh, you know, learn from each other and listen to each other and, and all those kind of things. He was like, that's exactly what we're doing here uh, with Turkish Raindrop. I'm like, well, that's awesome. And uh, so we set up pretty quickly. I mean, he, I think it was like, a, he said like, Hey, like next month, why don't you come and speak at the, at the Turkish raindrop? It's, 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 um, it's actually a building. It's set up like a restaurant. So there are tables and all this stuff. And he's like, you know, why don't you come and you can speak and you can invite people, uh, Christians and I'll invite our Muslim community. And, um, and so I, I did that. We, we, we had a gathering. It was like 45 people we had a wonderful, um, you know, Mediterranean meal that they provided. It was fantastic. And, um, I, I spoke on what Muslims and Christians have in common, which was really, really cool. And, um, it was wonderful. So I kind of thought from that first gathering, like, man, we're, we are starting off, we hit the ground running. This is going to be great. And then, like you said, then the pandemic hit and well, can't, we can't really do any more of those, uh, in person, yeah, in person events with Turkish raindrop. Um, during the during the pandemic, Bilal, my contact here with Turkish Raindrop, uh, moved to Arkansas. Mm. Um, but since then, so I guess you know, kind of the the things that have happened lately that kind of seem like there might be some light on the horizon um, are that um, Turkish Raindrop has a new director now. Um, I've I've had a have had a Zoom call with him. I got to know him. He's a wonderful man. Uh, really great guy. Uh, and also what has happened is in the last month or two, uh, about 20,000 or so Afghan refugees have been uh, located here in Fort Bliss, uh, which is, again, located the military base here in El Paso. Mm-hmm. And so our hope, so far it's just our hope. I've put out feelers. I've made phone calls. I've done everything I can. So far I've hit some, some walls there. But um, we are still super hopeful that um, we're going to be able to do some kind of work directly with uh, some Afghan refugees here and, and everyone at Turkish raindrop house is interested in helping with that as well. And, um, I know a lot of Christians locally will be interested in helping with that as well. So, um, we're just kind of in this holding pattern at the moment of waiting to find out when or if that, Mm -hmm. that, that day will come. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it sounds like there's some really cool, yeah, potential and that would be really beautiful for y'all to be able to collaborate with your, your Muslim partners to help Afghan refugees and, and do service together. Yeah. yeah. That sounds incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, things have started to open up a little bit. Um, so it's, it's possible, you know, that we might be able to tentatively talk about uh, a small peace, peace gathering. Um, you know, like if everybody has their, has their vaccination mm-hmm. and, um, and people feel comfortable, you know, getting in a room with strangers <laughs> and sharing a meal together. Um, you know, hopefully down the road that we can, we can something like that, uh, in motion again, 
Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. So, um, yeah, I'm curious. I know, Keith, you've kind of briefly touched on this before. I mean, you have a whole series of books that you've released uh-huh. about Jesus, and you have a new one coming yeah. up. Um, yeah. yeah, would you like to talk about that a little bit and maybe some of your journey um, to to writing those books? Yeah. Well, I think the, the yeah, the uh, the most relevant, what's funny, I guess, is the most relevant books to talk about would be the first book in that series and the last book in the series, which is coming out in, in, a, in a few weeks. Um, so that first book uh, was called Jesus Untangled, Crucifying Our Politics to Pledge Allegiance to the Lamb. And it really was the result of my own personal journey. Um, you know, like I, I was raised in a Christian home, uh, in kind of grew up in Texas, was a member of the NRA, uh, listened to Rush Limbaugh, <laughs> had a bunch of guns, loved to go shooting. I can't see it, um, I have to say. I can't see yeah, I can show you pictures. I can show you pictures. <laughs> As a side note, he sold his favorite gun to buy my engagement <gasps> ring. <laughs> That's a Texas thing. Yeah. Yeah, that was, a, that was like, you know, kind of prophetically a first step in my deconstruction of my um, my identity, right. As a kind of a super right-wing Christian or whatever. Um, That's amazing. so yeah, but I, you know, I, I met Wendy and I was, I loved her so much. I was like, you know what? I'm going to sell my favorite oh. gun. I'm going to go and sell my, my, uh, Browning high power nine millimeter pistol with Packmeyer grips and the extra clip and the shoulder holster <laughs> because I love her so much. And that was the beginning. So letting, selling that first gun, that was the beginning. That was a slippery slope, I guess, <laughs> that led me uh, for my eyes to be open a little bit. So, but, but really, seriously, um, I mean, what what kind of set me uh, in that motion was really just kind of like recognizing that I had become more American than Christian. And in a lot of ways, I couldn't really tell where my, where my um, sort of patriotism or nationalism ended and my Christianity began. And that um, I really felt like the Holy Spirit showed me that. And, and it was like, hey, that's not good. Um, so, yeah. And so I kind of went through my own process of letting the Holy Spirit point out to me different things like my, my political tribalism um, and, uh, and how the kingdom of God is not the same as the American empire and all that. So that was, that was where I sort of like untangled my faith from my political identity and ideology and, and I want to be careful to say, um, you know, the solution wasn't, uh, I was this super conservative Republican Christian. So the answer was I became a super liberal, you know, progressive mm-hmm. Christian. No, that's not what happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that wasn't the solution. Um, cause what I recognized was politics in general, and this is just my personal opinion. And I, I understand not everybody sees it this way, but for me, uh, I felt like in some ways in it, the church being entangled with politics was kind of part of the problem. Um, I see, I see that, um, even going back through church history, you know, with Constantine, um, sort of bringing the church into, uh, entanglement with the empire, that was the beginning of it. Um, and then with America, um, early on in our history, you know, um, religious identity, it was so tied to, uh, sort of American identity and, um, and how, you know, historically, Anytime, um, well, here's a little joke. I use it in the book. What do you get when you mix faith and politics? You get politics. Mm. 
And uh, that, that kind of is what you see throughout history. So again, just for me, I had a strong conviction that I, I just needed to step away from politics and that I feel like for me, again, following, I had a choice to follow Jesus or to follow my politics. And, you know, I know people say, well, why can't you do both? And I would say, well, if there, if you, you can't follow two people or two things or two, you know, ideologies, well, you can, if they're both going the same direction, mm-hmm. right? If they're both going North, well then, Hey, well, let's follow both. Cause they're both going the mm-hmm. same way. I kind of feel like Jesus is pretty, makes a big deal about the fact that, um, we need to turn around from the ways we are going naturally and go his way, which is not, it's kind of against the grain. And so I feel like, you know, if everybody else is going this way, Jesus is saying, well, turn around and follow me because I'm going this other way. Um, and so I don't, again, for myself, I don't feel like I can faithfully follow Jesus and also uh, my politics or any other kind of political thing. Um, that's a whole deep discussion. But anyway, I, I, I went through that, I went through that personal um, untangling my faith from politics. That's why I wrote the book. Mm-hmm. And, uh, cause I recognize also that a lot of other people I know, and even some of them are family members, <laughs> um, struggle with the same things I was struggling with, right. About faith and politics kind of getting blurred there. So, um, wrote that book in a way to kind of, uh, tell my story and, and my journey out of that kind of entanglement, but also to ho- hopefully help other people do the same. And, um, and then, uh, yeah, the, mo- my, my final book this is the seventh book in the series that's coming out in a couple of weeks is called Jesus Unarmed, How the Prince of Peace Disarms Our Violence. And that's really focusing a whole lot more just on how, it, just like it says, you know, Jesus is the Prince of Peace and he does call us to walk a path that, uh, according to Isaiah, is a path that would cause the people that walk in that path to say to themselves, hey, I don't want to study war anymore. I think I'm going to beat my sword and my weapons into plowshares and pruning hooks and, uh, you know, work on providing food for myself and my family and people around me in the community. I'd rather do that than, uh, than be violent. And so, yeah, that's, um, again, something I think that I, I've struggled with in the past. And I think a lot of, a lot of Christians today also wrestle with this idea of is Jesus really nonviolent? Did he, was he serious about that whole love your enemy mm-hmm. thing in the Sermon on the Mount? And, uh, but if he is serious, how do I do that? How do I follow him that way? So, um, that book is attempting to kind of, help illuminate that and show that and uh, help hopefully help Christians uh, decide that, yes, that is what Jesus is calling us to do and, and, and start walking that path. Yeah. That's so great. I'm excited to read them, all of them. I know I owe you a quote for one of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wait, wait for <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess, yeah. Thank you both so much for sharing your story and um, it's really beautiful to just see the trajectory of your ministry and, and your peacemaking. Um, if you had to give, maybe leave our listeners with something, uh, maybe like a word of encouragement for them as, as they try to be peacemakers too, what would that be? He's looking at me. Yeah. Um, I, I think that the biggest thing is to start looking at people as uh, we're, we're all created in the image of God. And if we can look at people as created in the image of God that changes our whole attitude and treatment or our behavior towards others. Yeah. Amen. That's good. You No, I think that's, you You said it. I totally agree. I think that's exactly it. Um, I think it's so important. Yeah. Just, just kind of like continuing that thought, like um, to, it's not easy to do, you know, tribalism is a big problem. And I, and again, I, I do talk about this tribalism thing in, in my books, but um, 
it's a human thing. We all do it, right? Um, but when you play these tribalistic games, you end up you end up creating these categories of us and them. And um, that's one of the most beautiful and freeing things that I've uh, experienced over the last couple of years um, is being able to suddenly just see that, like when I see another person, I didn't used to do this, but, but, but I've reached a place now where I'm, when I just meet another human being, I just see a human being. I see someone made in the image of God who's loved just as much as I am. Um, and it doesn't matter to me anymore. Are they Muslim? Are they Christian? Are they Democrat? Are they Republican? Are they Baptist? Are they Pentecostal? Are they gay? Are they straight? Are they black? Are they white? I don't, you know what I mean? Like what I see is another human being who is dearly loved of God, just the way I am. And I, and, and I need to love them um, in the same way that I'm loved. Right. And so the more I can focus on my connection with other people, rather than always focus on, um, you know, what separates us or our, our distinct words or, Oh, you're not like this, or you don't agree with me on that or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, yeah. I, I just think that's a huge, huge, first step but it, in a way it's kind of the whole thing like if you can hold that in your in your mind and if you can really behave that way that's kind of the trick <laughs> i think i think if you can do that the rest will sort of you'll figure the rest out along the way yeah for mm-hmm. sure well thank you both so much this has been really great thank you becca thanks so much becca hey you gotta have your turn oh yeah that's true <laughs> yeah i'll interview you you're, you're, you gotta be next. <laughs> i'll be in the hot seat <laughs> Wow, that was such an incredible conversation. I love hearing Keith and Wendy's story and how they got connected to Feast Catalyst and all of the seeds that were planted along the way that kind of um, led them on this journey of building peace with their neighbors. Um, And I think something that really stood out to me was how the way that they saw the model for bringing Christians and Muslims together around a shared love for Jesus without feeling the need to convert anybody. Um, You know, the beauty of having that, that simple, organic, welcoming space for Muslims and Christians, anybody else, it sounds like, who wanted to join, um, to come and sit and talk and share food together. And, you know, I think that's really, it's the power of peacemaking because it brings people together without any sort of agenda, but just to connect in an organic way and in an authentic way that leads to all kinds of wonderful things. Um, Most notably, I think it leads to organic and authentic friendship. Um, And that's really the beautiful place where I think peacemaking happens. Um, And I think, you know, there's something that Keith said that really stood out to me. He said, when we focus on the things that we have in common, and that thing is Jesus, um, but again, not to convince anyone of whose beliefs or ideas are right, but as something, or I should say someone significant to both faith groups to connect about, it opens the door for all kinds of of wonderful conversation and relationship. Um, And, you know, he was saying how the participants of of their group that they were a part of, their house church, really felt welcomed and at peace. Um, And they weren't facing any kind of anxiety or fear of judgment or anything like that, that it was truly a a welcoming space for them. And I think like Keith and Wendy were saying, that kind of hospitality really opens the door for um, for organic um, relationships. 
And now that they are in El Paso, I know they're kind of waiting for the chance to to get to be in person with people again. And um, I think it's really cool to see the relationships that they've been able to build, even in the midst of the pandemic. Um, and of course, now that there's an influx of, of refugees from Afghanistan, um, potentially being able to to come alongside them and, and serve them and love them and show them that they're welcome here. Um, so that's incredible. And, you know, I really loved hearing uh, about Keith's personal journey of transformation um, towards becoming a peacemaker and an advocate for nonviolence, because, you know, he was talking about how he comes from a context where his faith was really intermingled with, um, you know, nationalism or patriotism and even, um, you know, a love for guns, gun violence. <laughs> and so beautiful to hear how he sold his favorite gun to propose to Wendy. That is amazing. Um, but really cool to see how kind of, yeah, having that encounter with the Holy Spirit transformed his faith and showed him that, um, you know, in order to follow Jesus, that he was meant to kind of let go of these other kind of, um, yeah, allegiances, um, for lack of a better word. So really, really cool to hear that. And I just thank you so much, Wendy and Keith, for inspiring all of us to go against the grain and follow Jesus wholeheartedly um, into peacemaking and into nonviolence. Um, and, you know, I loved what Wendy was saying about how it just comes back to that basic concept that we're all created in the image of God and and that should lead us to love and lead us to peacemaking. Um, and personally, I'm sure all of you are as well. I am really looking forward to Keith's next book, which is called Jesus Unarmed, How the Prince of Peace Disarms Our Violence. And it's the last book in his Jesus Un series. Um, so definitely check it out. And I'm sure it will inspire you to read all of the other books in that series. But really cool picture of how Jesus models nonviolence and models the way it's that we should be walking as we follow him. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere that you listen to podcasts. And if you'd like more info about Peace Catalyst and to help support our peacebuilding work, please visit our website at peacecatalyst.org.